morning, Four Oaks Church. It's Tuesday, April 25th. So glad that you have joined us for this round of our pastoral devotionals. We are walking through the Sermon on the Mount, the most famous sermon ever preached. And we are in that section of the sermon where Jesus is giving us a sort of a boots-on-the-ground picture of what life in the kingdom should look like. So remember, he, he has begun his sermon by uh, offering us an invitation, right? These are the blesseds or the flourishings. And he's saying, um, if you want to live a blessed life, a happy life, a flourishing life, then um, your life will comport to these values, my values, the values of the kingdom. And of course, what's a challenge about this is that he is um, asking us to entrust ourselves to a set of values that are all upside down, that are very different from what the world says that we need to do if we want to be happy and to, and to flourish. But Jesus says this on the authority of the fact that he is king. Um, he, wrote the, he wrote the law, he inspired the law. And now he is going to interpret it for us. And so Jesus has offered us this vision. Um, he's reminded us that the righteousness that is required to enter the kingdom has to be greater than that of the scribes and Pharisees. And by that, he doesn't mean we obtain our salvation by works righteousness. What he means is that the, the disciple of Christ, who is truly following the king, is a wholehearted disciple, is one where the inward matches the outward, where there is a consistency, there is a constancy, there's a wholeheartedness. The Pharisees, of course, were living the life of the law on the very surface, doing the right things for the wrong reasons, in the wrong way, with corrupt hearts. And so now Jesus says, I want to give you a vision of what um, true spirituality looks like. And he's addressing six different areas. And so last week, we talked about um, marriage and murder, anger and lust. And here, Jesus's purpose was to start with the sixth and seventh commandments and to show God's true intention um, in giving us these commandments. It's not just that we won't do bad things but that we will be wholehearted disciples, understanding that it's sin that flows out of a, heart, a corrupt heart. And so we need a heart change. Well, these next two areas that he looks at are part of what we call the, the civil law of the Old Testament. This is the, the application of the law to all varieties of relationship and society and the way people dress and how they married and those sorts of things. And Jesus wants to talk to us about two specific areas that were very pertinent to first century uh, Judaism. And so divorce and oath-taking. So let's read the passage, and we're going to continue to unpack this together. Chapter 5, verse 31. It was also said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that everyone who divorces his wife, except on the ground of sexual immorality, makes her commit adultery, and whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Again, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. But I say to you, do not take an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is in the throne of God, 
or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not take an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let what you say be simply yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil. So when we think about what unites these two teachings that Jesus is giving us on divorce and oath-taking, um, it's going to be helpful to get somewhat of a context okay, for the way these particular Old Testament passages were being misinterpreted and misapplied um, in that day. And, and to understand how that is so, we can go both to extra biblical literature um, that gives us a, a sense of how the Pharisees of the first century were interpreting these, these particular laws, but we can also, most importantly, go to the Gospels themselves, okay? And so today, I want to start with um, this idea of divorce, okay? And Jesus here quotes Deuteronomy 24, okay? Whoever divorces his life, let him give her a certificate of divorce. And so for her homework from yesterday, I said, hey, it, this would be good to go and look at what are the passages that Jesus is quoting under divorce and oath-taking. And so today we're going to camp out on the divorce side. So when you click, when I click on my little... Um, um, ESV Electronic Study Bible, it pulls up Deuteronomy 24. So this is a quotation from the civil law in Deuteronomy 24. So let's go to Deuteronomy 24. Let's read that together to get what Jesus is saying in the original context, okay? So this is, this is God who's given his law to Moses and Moses who has given the law to the people. Deuteronomy 24.1, when a man takes a wife and marries her, if then she finds no favor in his eyes because he has found some indecency in her and he writes her a certificate of divorce and puts it in her hand and sends her out of his house and she departs out of his house and if she goes and becomes another man's wife and the latter man hates her and writes her a certificate of divorce and puts it in her hand and sends her out of his house or if the latter man dies who took her to be his wife then his former husband who sent her away may not take her again to be his wife after she has been defiled, for that is an abomination before the Lord. Okay, there is a lot there um, that we're not going to try to get into. What we do want to try to understand is what is Jesus referencing here and what was happening at that time that um, was, was such a misappropriation of um, of God's original teaching on divorce and remarriage. So we have a clue here, and we're going to focus on this first verse. When a man takes a wife and marries her, if then she finds no favor in his eyes because he has found some indecency in her and he writes her a certificate of divorce. Okay, what is that about? Well, it seems that when you um, dig in here a little bit and you look at that word indecency, um, there seems to be some sense of sexual indecency, sexual indiscretion. There is something um, that has happened on the part of the woman to violate the marital covenant. There is some indecency, and again, um, most likely some sort of sexual indecency, some sort of indiscretion, extramarital sexual relationship 
that would necessitate the man issuing a divorce, um, uh, a certificate of divorce to his wife. Okay. Now, when we think about what was happening in the time of Jesus with the Pharisees, when it comes to divorce, I think it would be helpful to go back to Matthew. Okay. Let's look at Matthew chapter 19. And here we're going to get a sense of the way they were misapplying this text about issuing a certificate to your wife for of divorce. 19, uh, Matthew 19, verse 3, And Pharisees came up to him and tested him by asking, Is it lawful to divorce one's wife for any cause? Now, the reason they, it says that they were testing him and by asking him this question, there was a great debate among the Pharisees and Sadducees about what was the lawful reason to divorce. And they asked him, is it lawful to divorce one's wife for any cause? And he answered, have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female? And he said, therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let no, not man separate. They said to him, why then did Moses command one to give a certificate of divorce and to send her away? He said to them, because of your hardness of heart, God allowed you to divorce your wives, but from the beginning it was not so. And I say to you, whoever divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another commits adultery. Okay, so it seems by their question, is it lawful to divorce one's wife for any cause, that they are tapping into one of the common practices at the time, which is that Jew, Jewish men could divorce their wife for any reason. This was sanctioned by the Pharisees what, and, and, and didn't have to do with any sort of sexual indiscretion or sexual indecency. It could be for any reason, um, tired of their personality or the way they kept the house or, I mean, it could be a million reasons. And this was a very common thing. And it was clear what Jesus is addressing here was the loopholes that the Pharisees were using to apply Deuteronomy 24.1. They were taking an instance where Moses said divorce is allowed if there is some sort of sexual unfaithfulness. They were taking that, okay, um, indecency to sort of mean anything that displeased them, anything that bothered them, anything that got in their way. And in that way, they were, they could say they were obeying the letter of the law, but they were in every way disobeying the spirit of the law. Okay. They were doing an end around. They were trying to find a loophole. In other words, they weren't, didn't have a posture and heart that says, God, I want to honor you in my marriage. What is it that you require? What is it that you've called me to do? And so, so, and so Jesus says, it's, this is not the way marriage was designed to be. It's a permanent union between a man and his wife, what God's joined together, let no man separate. And they ask him, well, then why then Moses provide this stipulation? And, and Jesus said, it's not the original design of marriage. It was only because of your hardness of heart. And then he goes back in verse nine to restate the true application, the true interpretation of Deuteronomy 24.1. He says, and I say to you, whoever divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another commits adultery. And so Jesus, what he's doing here, 
He's not introducing a new teaching. He's coming back around and he's saying, here is the true intention of Deuteronomy 24. It's to allow for divorce when there is a hardness of heart. There is a, there's, it's to allow for a divorce when there has been a violation of the marital covenant. But this is not the way God designed it originally. Um, and he said, so the way that you've been applying the law, divorcing for any reason, is completely wrong. Let me restate the principle. Divorce is to be permanent unless there is an instance of covenant breaking, in this case, sexual immorality. So, so what, what are we to take from this? Well, well, first of all, let me just say that, that we could spend weeks and weeks talking about divorce and remarriage, and we are going to talk about it a little bit more. But the, the, the point in this is not that Jesus is trying to address any and every situation that can, that can present itself in a marriage that might necessitate divorce or lead to divorce. In other words, he's not providing a fully comprehensive teaching on divorce and remarriage. Okay, After all, Paul addresses in 1 Corinthians 7 a particular context for divorce and remarriage. But what Jesus is setting out for us is a principle. And the principle is, is that marriage is good. Marriage is, is a God-ordained ordinance. It's a grace to us. It's a, it's a covenant. It's a serious thing. And the way that you've been treating it, Pharisees, has been to trample it underfoot. You've been less concerned about honoring God and, again, more about your own affluence, comfort, and what's going to create the fewest headaches for yourself in your life. Okay, So let's come back to the original teaching of what God has designed, that this is a covenant. Unless there's something that breaches the marital covenant, um, then, then marriage is to be maintained okay, and, and nurtured and cherished and, and celebrated. So again, how does this relate to us right now? Well, it gets us back to the point of saying, am I looking for loopholes in the Word of God? Am I looking for end arounds? Am I looking for workarounds? Or do I have a heart that's set on pleasing God and all that I do? In this case, he's addressing that related to divorce. Now, tomorrow we're going to look at the way um, that the Pharisees were misappropriating oaths, and then what was the original teaching, how they were distorting it, and Jesus's correct teaching. Okay, so we'll keep digging in this into this tomorrow. In the meantime, um, you might want to go do some more advanced research in Matthew five on this idea of oath-keeping, because it all sounds very strange, does it not? But what you should know is that what ties divorce and remarriage to oath-keeping is this idea of loopholes, okay? Um, is trying to find a way around the clear teaching of the Word of God by doing some hermeneutical gymnastics, thinking you're honoring the, the letter of the law, but you're really disobeying the Spirit. And... Um, so as you're doing your research, keep that in mind. I think he's quoting here probably from uh, Leviticus 19, um, and that would be a great place to, um, to go and start studying this next part of the passage. All right, until tomorrow, um, um, we praying for you, praying for me as I, as I dig into this passage in preparation for preaching it on Sunday. All right, Lord, um, sometimes your word is harder to understand than others. It takes more work, takes more diligence. And Lord, we don't want to do that in our own flesh. We want to do that in the power of your spirit. 
Lord, we ask these things in your son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen. Thanks, everybody. See you tomorrow.